on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the best Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from E10 Lay an Orion from E10 Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Phoenix FM studios here in Brentwood. I'm Andy Gilson, joined in the studio by Lee Boyce and by Glenn Wilkie. And uh, shortly, hopefully, we'll be joined by Steve Tung via telephone. A little bit of bad news for Billy Herring. He's not feeling too good. He's lost his voice even more husky than normal. And uh, he sent me this whispering message to say that uh, he's like, I can't make it in. (laughs) So, uh, and that was Bill, I'm afraid. So uh, that he was done for. But uh, a big good evening to uh, Lee and to Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Yeah, very good. Uh, not been here for a while in the studio. That is uh, really nice to be back. I know. And you, you had a bit of pine mash on the way over, didn't you? I did, yeah. When in London, you know. Yeah, why not? And Lee, thanks for coming in. And on a short notice, we well, they were falling like flies today. <laughs> Everybody's not well. <laughs> it's, uh, so uh, we the emergency crew's coming. Lee Boyce is coming at the last minute. Glenn's coming at the last minute. And Steve's going to be hopefully ringing in shortly. Uh, what we will do is we'll just, uh, first of all, listen to... Uh, latest Victor's view as uh, Dave Victor reviews the last match. Here's Dave. To confess that in my preview for BBC Radio London on Saturday, I was praising Lake Noyant's excellent defensive record. After all, the O's had just won their last three matches, scoring seven without conceding. It was the classic commentator's curse. In the opening minutes and in the final minutes at Rochdale, Orient's defence was all over the place. In between those dreadful moments, it was a solid display. Aaron Drynan again on target, making it five in three matches. Good managers enable players to develop and improve. We saw it so often under Justin Edinburgh. Quay Clay appears to be a better player as a result of the coaching he's received from Kenny Jacket and Joe Gallen. Clay had only scored six in 195 appearances for the O's. His seventh was special. A low, hard, precise half volley. It would and should have been a worthy winner. Rochdale have one of the best disciplinary records in the division, Orient don't. Once again, we saw a lack of composure, Shadrach Ogie's actions, giving the referee a decision to make. For a terrible moment, I feared the worst. We got away with it on this occasion, but the number of careless bookings is a cause for concern. Next up, it's Sutton United in E10. The league's new boys have moved above the O's following Saturday's victory at Tramere. I saw Matt Gray's side at Colchester recently. They're fit, fast and very well organised. They attack and defend as a 
team. Saturday's clash is going to be a fascinating test for Jackets men who need to recapture those defensive qualities that have provided such a sound foundation, especially at Brisbane Road. Two defeats in 16 league matches remains a good return, but nine draws is the highest in division. Two tough games coming up. A trip to Scunthorpe United next Tuesday night. The Iron will be stronger under Keith Hill. Finally, it was enormous pleasure covering Brian Sarr's youngsters on Tuesday. They impressed, hitting Paul Newport County for six, setting up a third round tie with Chelsea in the FA Youth Cup. A hat-trick from Daniel Nkuma and a cool finish from Antonio Clements. But it was the two early goals from the youngest player on the pitch, Rion Smith Huasi, which set Leidenoid on the way. The number of youngsters who have progressed now into the first team squad is very exciting and it demonstrates that our club has a bright future. Well, thank you, Dave. I think he recorded that with a um, a comb and uh, a, a bit of toilet paper, didn't he? <laughs> it was a bit uh, distorted, wasn't it, to say the least? Anyway, hopefully, joining us on the line will be uh, Steve Tung. Are you there, Steve? Here I am, Andy. Good evening. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you once again for uh, stepping in uh, at the, the, the last minute. Not all heroes wear capes, but um, Steve uh, d- deserves a cape tonight for, for uh, saving the day. And uh, it was... Um, a mixed sort of match on Saturday, Steve, wasn't it? Um, good and bad, all in all in one ninety-minute spell. Yes, I'm interested to know what uh, what Glenn and Lee thought. Um, I was going to say glass half full sort of game, but actually, I suppose if it's one point instead of three, that's probably a glass about a third full. And I know an awful lot of people were disappointed um, and would say the glass was two thirds empty because of the way the the equalising goal went in so late. Always the case, of course. If it if it had been us coming from two one down to equalise, we'd all have been a lot more positive. Um, but we have to try maybe and and. Maybe and put that aside and and say it's an away point. Um, I thought we might go right back to the start uh, and and look at the lineup and the most interesting uh, part of which undoubtedly was that Darren Prattley, uh, Kenny Jackett's first signing and uh, immediately made club captain was dropped for what I'm sure is the first time this season. Uh, if you remember, he came off at half-time in that, that previous home game league game against Hartlepool because he'd, he'd had a yellow card and should really have got a second yellow one before the interval. So it was very wise, I think, to bring him off on that occasion and put Hector on at half-time. But uh, this time he was dropped, which, of course, left uh, Hector and Craig Clay in midfield, um, the wing-backs uh, as normal, uh, the back three with Alex Mitchell uh, back in as normal, and Dan Kemp in what's become that number 10 role behind both Drinnen and Smith. Um, but Glenn in particular, I, I don't know whether you'd ever been in a team where, where the captain is dropped, but I imagine that has quite a, sends a bit of a message to the dressing room, doesn't it? We, you hear the team and think, wow, the skipper's been dropped. Uh, yeah, I was normally captain, so uh, when I got dropped... <laughs> no one normally spoke to me. No, it, I, I have been in teams, and it, and it sends a message as well. It, it, it sends a message to the rest of the squad that nobody's safe, you know, it, regardless of if you're captain or not or how senior you are. If if your form's not good, um, and it also sends a message out to the players that they will they will see if, if your form's not good, no matter who you are, you, you'll take a rest, you'll come out of the team, and you've got to win your place back. But... I like, I like Clay and Hector in there. I thought they'd done very well. And like you say, in the, the previous game against Hartlepool, when Hector came on, we, he looked good in there. So um, I think it was the right decision. I'm not sure what Lee thinks about that. But um, I, th- I just think with Prattley, we, I said this a few weeks ago, he's, is he 36? 
he, he is getting on in football years. So I know we were sport with Joby uh, last season and the season before when he was 39, 38. Um, and he, he seemed to just be youthful in his way. I think with Prattley, we need to, to probably manage him a bit better. And he can't, like we did with Joby towards the back end of last season, uh, he needs to be he needs to be rested now and again because he has played nearly every single game this season. Yeah, what did you think, Lee? Because he hasn't been at his best, has he? So whether it was done purely on form or on needing a rest, I, I think people have felt after a very good start to the season that he might have fallen away a little bit last few games. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with what Glenn said. I think myself, it's a, he was due, due a rest. He hasn't been as good as he was. The one thing I'd say is, is that like what Glenn just said, he's 36 years old, 37 years old. He's a very experienced pro, but when we when he come in, we appointed him, and he was appointed club captain. And then for me, in modern day, you have your club captain, which is normally an experienced pro. You have your team captain, sort of thing. And I thought they were going to appoint someone a bit, bit younger, say Dan Appy, for example. I know he hasn't played much, but someone along them lines who would have been the team captain. I still think that might be the case going forward, because I can't see Prattley playing every single week. So someone like Kipianu and, and Kemp, especially, and possibly Clay, they're the ones that the team should be built around, like Kipriano and Kemp. Uh, Prattley, yes, he's going to bring loads of experience, he's going to bring loads of knowledge, everything that we need after losing someone with Joby's experience. I don't think he'll be playing every week. I'd, I'd step in there. When you, when you say give one of the younger players the captain's armband, uh, I disagree with you there. Yeah. I, I, I personally think your captain... He either leads by example, he's, he's experienced, he can help the youngsters through in difficult times on the pitch. Um, me personally, I, I would go with a bit more experience, like Beckles, for instance, yeah. who, who was given the armband on Saturday. So, I, yes, have the youngsters in there and build the team around mm. them, no problem with that. As for a captain, I think you need a leader. I think you, you need someone who, who will sort of on the pitch, even if they're not that vocal, but they lead by example with their performances. Yeah, I mean, when I said happy, I, I meant because last year he's being muted as the future captain. I mean, Tom James is another one, the right back. Looks captain material. Loads of... Uh, like, gets the team going, gets the team really working. But it's, it's, so there's players in there like with experience who are younger that uh, can be team captain if, kept, if Prattley is club captain but like I said the same, the same thing I don't think Prattley's going to be there playing week in week out No the other thing about him uh, the reason he won't be there week in and week out is I suspect he might be on four yellow cards by now and uh, you, you have that feeling that a fifth one uh, wouldn't be all that long coming so we're, we might have to get used to it but as, uh, as Glenn said it was good to see Hector and Craig Clay doing a, a reasonable job in there. But um, horrible start to the game uh, with that first goal. Um, Glenn, just, just talk us through it. I mean, a, a very straightforward cross to the far post. And what, two, two of their players and none of ours? Two and one? We were certainly outnumbered there, weren't we? Yeah, and you would have thought we would have learned our lesson from the, the Paul Vow away game where we got caught out what, two or three times, similar sort of diagonal balls. Um, I, I think the opposition have clearly looked at where we can be vulnerable and, and they've looked at that, that sort of 
diagonal cross and heading it across a goal. But our defenders, as a defender, as soon as the ball goes over your edge, you've got to retreat and get back towards your own goal. And we've been caught out a few times with that. It's good quality. It's very, the first one is very hard to defend against if it's a quality diagonal ball. But then as it comes back across, they'll be so frustrated and disappointed with allowing that there was a couple of players spare in the box and, and they've tucked it away. It's, they've got to start learning. OK, we're, we've only lost two games this season. We, we, we've drawn a, a lot, like you said, probably the most in the division. But it's, it's costing us if towards the end of the season that them sort of points, are, which we should be having free in games, could cost us an automatic spot or even a playoff spot. So the defenders really need to learn quickly. Are you looking at Theo Archibald there? I mean, we might as well talk about this because he's, he's been playing as a wing-back in place of Connor Wood, first choice of the last couple of games. People are mentioning James Brophy all over again, which is a debate we had uh, a lot of times the last couple of seasons sitting in that studio. Um, of course, James Brophy, first of all, was playing at full-back more than, than wing-back most of that time. And I think, other, uh, as opposed to Theo, he, he had some experience as a left-back, didn't he? He know, knew a bit more, he had more experience of, of the defending side of the game. I mean, wasn't that a classic case? Uh, Theo just wasn't back in the position that he needed to be in at that far post uh, when that cross went in early. I, I, I think it's... it's the they're exposing the, the third centre-half, the furthest centre-half, rather than your wing-back, because your wing-back wouldn't traditionally be that far back. Like a, like a full-back, he would probably be a bit more advanced. So when the ball is being hit on that diagonal, they're trying to get it, tuck it in behind the third, furthest centre-half. So that would, that would eliminate the, the wing-backs on both sides when they're doing that. So it'd be very rare when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch for the far wing-back to be that deep. It really would. But I understand your point in what you're making regarding Archibald and defensive duties. Um, I think he, f he fits in. Yes, we've not seen him going forward and attacking and creating as much as he did earlier on in the season because of the, the positional change. But who would you swap him with? If you take him out of that, who do you, who do you put there as that left wing back? Is, is a replacement better than him going forward? Uh, possibly defending, yes, but going forward, not so much. And then who would you drop out of that front three on current form to accommodate Archibald? Mm. Or do you ch completely change the system, which I don't think Kenny, Kenny wants to do. I think this is his system. That's the way the guys have been working on it most of the season in training. And, and that's the way we're setting up. Yeah, Lee, we've, uh, we seem to have settled on that system now. It, it's very much the, the three, four, one, two. Um, but is, does it work with Theo Archibald or does Connor Wood deserve another go as the left wing back, which is, which is where he was when we started playing the system? I mean, I think the, the thing with Connor Wood is, as good as he is defensively, he's not offering that much attacking. And, and when we're playing with like two, the two sort of holding midfielders, you need your wing backs to be attacking. You need, to, you need them to get forward and support. So if you've got Connor Wood, you're not getting that. With Theo Archibald, you're getting, it, like what Glenn just said, you're basically getting the reverse effect. You're getting the, the attacking side of it, not necessarily the defending side. But if you've, if, you, if you've got the defenders, you've got your three centre-halves, you've got your two holding midfielders, then that, that should give him the luxury to, to not have to track back as quickly as a traditional wing-back would have to, because he's got cover there. Uh, Maybe you look at getting a, a proper 
uh, left-sided wing-back in who can do both of them jobs because there's people out there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, Theo Archibald, for me, was, was phenomenal. And it, it, it's like what we were doing last year, moving players around to fit in positions. So they, they want him in the team. They've put him now as the, as the wing-back. Mm. So... Well, he got one very good cross in uh, early as we attempted to come back and did come back very well, let's be honest, after that uh, that early shock. He put a very good cross in that, that it looks as if Harry Smith was going to equalise with and it just got deflected for a corner, didn't it? And then a, a, a nice move, um, lovely move, in fact, on the right, Kemp's cross and, and Drinan's header against the bar. Um, but uh, Aaron Drinan did get the equaliser with a nice through ball. Uh, Glenn, another goal, I think, which really came from a good bit of pressing, didn't it? Hector won it and, and Kemp played it to him. Uh, we, we have been pressing a lot better and a lot higher up, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. I think they've been working on that in the last, certainly the last three weeks because the, the change uh, in, like we say, the pressing higher up the pitch has, has been night, light, night and day, you know. Um, and we've, we've, got a lot of joy from it especially against Hartlepool obviously on Saturday winning the ball higher up the pitch but it's great that they're doing that and when they get the ball the the thing that's impressed me most is how quickly they then attack they win the ball they're not sort of taking two three touches and keeping hold of possession as soon as they win the ball they know then that the opposition's got men committed forward so there's a bit more space and we and we're we're pretty cutthroat and we and we really go at pace and, and open the opposition up and, and we've scored goals from it. It's it's really good to see and it's exciting for the supporters to watch as well. Yeah, so that was a, there was an equaliser 24 minutes um, and I think uh, the manager was right that really from the, from the first goal until the last we were probably the better team. We were threatening again before, um, before half-time. Uh, um, Rochdale did seem to think Dryden might have been offside. It was a, certainly a tight one as it was against Ebbsfleet but maybe he's got that knack of, of playing right on the shoulder of the last defender and, uh, and, and has got the rewards and he, he's certainly looking like a goal scorer which... Um, Lee, a lot of people, when they saw his record, just as his goals record before he arrived, weren't sure he was going to be, were they? No, but going back to the goal Saturday, I don't think there was a lot of, a lot of fans in the ground that thought, <laughs> thought it was a tight decision. He looked miles off. Did he? Most right. of the fans were... were, were of course, were, they were level, weren't they? The, a lot of the crowd would have been dead yeah, level with it. Yeah, I mean, I know the, the, the Lino got a lot of uh, well dones. Thank you very much, <laughs> Lino. Like, you know what I mean? Because he looked well offside, but... Yeah, I mean, I think I remember conversations we had in the beginning of the season uh, when people saw, after a few pre-season games, when people were saying about Drinan and it's like, Jesus, we're, gonna, we're signing this fellow here and he's never going to score a goal, never going to score a goal all season. Right? And then all of a sudden he's, he's bang, a bit of confidence. It just shows what a, what a striker with confidence can actually do. Because I mean, I know, I think Karen said before, uh, she's, she knew someone from Ipswich and they were laughing, like saying, mm. we sign this fellow, he's absolute rubbish. But... He certainly ain't rubbish, is he? He certainly knows what he's doing. Funny old game, isn't it? So 1-1 half-time. Um, second half, uh, that Harry Smith header, which he should probably have scored from. And then uh, a long throw, which we are doing well and, and, uh, and seem to profit from quite a bit when we get the first ball anyway. Uh, it was actually headed out. And Craig Clay, well... Uh, it didn't look like the Craig Clay we know, but uh, what a what a strike it was, Glenn. Yeah, it was a fantastic strike, wasn't it? And a, a great finish. I, I'm so pleased for Craig Clay. He's, he started out out the side beginning of the season. Um, when he came in, he was playing out of position, but he just shows what a great squad player he is. 
Um, he's got his chance. He's worked hard. The same for Daniel Kemp. He's been out the side as well. He well, he he was in the side and then he got dropped. And he and, and we spoke about it months ago about he's just got to do the right things in training, keep working hard. The same with Clay. He's done it, and they've both found this, their way back into the starting lineup. And and they're both. Both players have done so well. Kemp, Kemp with his assists and his work rate in that, like you said, the number 10 position. And and as for Clay, um, the goal sort of topped off a good couple of performances for him over the last couple of weeks. He's, I'm, I'm really, really pleased for him. He's a, he's a super signing. I know I know he's one of the supporters' favourites just because of just because of the effort he gives on the pitch. Supporters love people who run around a lot and, and give their all, and, and he's certainly one of those players. Of course. And so we're, we're looking comfortable, we're looking at three points, um, and then we concede right at the end, a corner. My, my visual impression of us defending corners and defending any set pieces this season is Harry Smith goes right back there and he gets up above everybody else and he heads it away. And just on this one occasion, he didn't. Um, it was a real blow, Lee, wasn't it? It was. I mean, look, you sort of look at it as, as players. I know it's Smith's ball to win, but it's sort of players standing around. The, their players come through like a sort of crowd of Orient players and ten, basically a free header. I mean, like Smith's got nowhere near it, has he? Uh, no. It's, it is, it's so frustrating. But like I was saying, saying earlier on, if, you, if you're letting it go in the first minute and the 90th minute, you know I've got some work to do in the other 88 minutes to, to win a game. I, I actually thought it was Mitchell's man when you look at it. I know Smith's in that area with the pitch, but I actually thought it was Mitchell's man who broke free. I'll have to have another look at mm. it. But even so, you've got two two men there who are normally very dominant in the air who've just switched off. And what a time to switch off in the last couple of minutes of the game to uh, sort of allow the other team to, to, to nick a point off us. It, it was very, very frustrated. And, and Steve, I've... I've had a look back over the league games this season so far and to, to see in the last 10 minutes of games how many points we've dropped. And we've dropped two points, obviously, at Rochdale Saturday, two points at Paul Vow away and two points away at Newport um, in the last 10 minutes. That's six points. If we had them six points, we'd have 13. We'd be sitting second in the league. So, so to me, it's... Why are we conceding? And, and, and this is what the management and the coaching coaches have been talking about. Why are we conceding in the last 10 minutes of games? Is it fitness? Are we not fit enough and our concentration levels? We're so tired, we're not concentrating and we're allowing the opposition to, to get in. Is it game management? I know it's a word thrown around all the time about game management, but are we doing the right things? Are we... Are we taking risks and, and giving opportunities away, giving corners away in that last 10 minutes of the game where would the supporters be unhappy if we start pegging teams back, putting the ball in behind and playing a bit longer in that last 10 minutes just to shut up shop and keep the ball away from our goal? I, I don't know, but I think the supporters would be happier with a win than a draw. So th these are the questions they'll be asking themselves in training. I don't think it would be fitness, but there's, there's to concede that many goals in the last 10 minutes of games and losing that many points, I, I think it's a bit of a concern at the moment. Tell us what you understand by that phrase, which is game management, which has become uh, so popular the last couple of years, and, and whether, I mean, whether you can coach it, how you, how you coach it, but what, what do you understand by it, really? With game management, it, 
there's there's points in games or or something that happen will happen in a game where you will need to manage the game correctly where you do not so you you're always vulnerable after you've con- uh, scored a goal because you, you you've all you've you're full of joy you're happy you relax a bit you in football you can't relax you really can't relax you've got concentration I mean by relax you've got to be concentrating all the time players switch off sometimes so it's about game management you need captains on the pitch reminding certain players who you know may switch off and relax a bit to to do the right things like we used to say first first 10 minutes of the game let's put the ball long push the opposition back let's get up the pitch and then once it opens up then we can start playing a bit same same again five minutes after you score a goal let's start playing the ball a bit longer don't put the ball at risk to to get settled into that that lead and then again 10 minutes before the end of the game do the same thing if you're winning the game you know you do that and with the other side of the game management is you you don't take risks I, th- I think it's a risk taking sort of phrase it's it's that word game management how do you manage a game yep. if you're winning by one goal do you really want to be playing on a bobbly pitch in November across the back uh, centre after centre half into the centre midfielder and back do you want to put the ball at risk like we've just spoken about us pressing and winning the ball off the opposition they will do that to us so game management is you've got to look at the surroundings, you've got to look at the weather, you've got to take everything into it and say, right, how do we manage this game the best to our ability to walk off the pitch with the most points? It's do not put the ball at risks in these areas like Lawrence. Lawrence, kick it long. Don't bother rolling it out. There's two minutes left to go. OK, it might get rebounded back, but it'll get re- rebounded back higher up the pitch. We've got they're too far away from a goal. It just comes down to managing the game and the situation in a game. Yeah, that's very interesting. Well, um, let's uh, finally reflect on, on Kenny Jackett's verdict on it. Um, he was upset, obviously, about that, that late goal. Talked about uh, Rochdale having got the first and the second second contact when he on the ball when he thought we might have got one or the other. But I got the impression he was actually, he'd come obviously from a very disappointed dressing room. You can imagine how the players were feeling. You could see it on their faces as they came over to the fans at the end. Um, and I got the impression he was trying to, to be a little bit more upbeat and, and talking about how he thought we were the better team, how lots of things were right today, uh, with the possible exception of the final pass not being the best sometimes. And then, uh, then talking about good young players uh, on the way up and, and improving. I'm sure you'll want to talk about good young players later in the programme when you come to the, uh, the FA Youth Cup. And, and talking about how he thinks we as a team will get better. So I uh, just got the impression, the final thought from me, that uh, the, the manager was trying to give us a, a very positive point of view of it. And uh, maybe that's something that we, can, that we can take into the next couple of games. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, like with, with Kenny Jack, it's like he's going to he's going to come out with the positives, isn't he? He's got he's got to. But the reality is, if you're letting in goals like that in the last couple of minutes, it doesn't matter how good you've been. If you're losing, like Glenn just said, the points we've lost so far this season, and we're only a, a third of the way through the season, it's, it's all right turning around and saying, "Oh, yeah, this player's done well, that player's done well. Like we're looking good at this, looking good at that." But if, if we're still making silly mistakes and letting in silly goals, it's irrelevant how well they're all playing. You know, we've got to, you've got to get the basics right. 
Yep, fair points all. Well, Andy, I will leave it up to you. I know you've got plenty more to talk about, so um, back to you in the studio. Steve, before you go... All right, go on. I've, I've got a question Added time. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> added time. There's no pay involved. There's no pay involved. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, the transfer window's coming up. Right. We're a third of the way into the season. I wanted to get your thoughts, yours and Lee's, obviously, on you, you can sign three players in the transfer window. What positions do you want to strengthen as backup or as a starter? Where, where would you go? Well, well, I mean, I've been, I've been happy with the formation and I think it's working overall. I like Kemp and the way he's improved so much in that number 10 role and, and we've got Paul Smith to come in. People are talking about the defence are oh, conceding all these goals. There's only four teams in the in the division who've conceded fewer goals than us, and one of them is Tranmere, and they, they never score any. Their, their record's ridiculous, 11 goals scored and 11 goals against. There's only Forest Green, Northampton and Tranmere who've got better defensive records than us. So, of course, we'll make the, the odd mistake. Um, you know, these players are League Two players. That's one of those things which I think we do need to, to bear in mind. So with Adam Thompson to come in, what I'm saying is that I don't think the defence as such... Is a, is a particular priority. Where we would certainly suffer in terms of the wing-backs is if, for instance, Tom James was injured. I'm not sure that there's a natural right wing-back. Uh, Hector has played there and I thought wasn't at his best when he, when he, when he was played there. Uh, you really need somebody very quick out there. It could be Connor Wood. I, I think, you know, Connor Wood may be, may be getting another chance soon, but as Lee says, maybe it's another, it's another actual left wing back that might be needed. Um, and in terms of the strikers, well, we've, you know, we've, we had a good few strikers on board. The two of them have been scoring. They're right up there among the, the top scorers in the league. And Rul Sotirio, of course, uh, I think is being used quite well because he's obviously champing at the bit every time he comes on. So I'm sure Kenny will be saying to the, to the board, you know, how much money is there? What can I do? Um, but I'm, uh, I'm going to opt out, really, and, and leave it to him. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where the areas are. Uh, do we need another, another defensive midfield player? We don't really want a defensive one. Uh, do we need another creative player in there? When we've got Kemp, who, who seems to be on his game now, and Smith... I think if the squad stays fit, and uh, I think it was Dave who said earlier in the programme, it's, it's looking a strong bench now when, uh, when everybody is fit. I don't know how useful Callum Riley is going to be, to be honest, but he, he's got to come back and, and show us. I think Paul Smith will be a, a terrific asset when he does come back, whether or not he starts. So if we stay, if we stay fit, uh, we'd look strong. Um, the worries, I suppose, would be, I think, that that wing-back position, especially on the right. Um, the goalkeeper cover looks good. I mean, Sam Sargent still seems still to be at the club. Young Reese Byrne has done ever so well. So um, I, I think, really, I'm saying I'm sticking rather than twisting. And I'll hand that back to Lee. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I believe that you, that you should build a squad around having two formations. So just say, like, we've got, we've got the formation we're playing now and then we went with a basic 4-4-2. So that we can change that formation around and not have to put square pegs in round holes. So if, if I was looking, I'd look 
at the moment, I look for a, a, a left wing back that can sort of do the jobs that the two are doing, but as one player. I'd also look at if if I wanted to change that team to a four four two, I'd want a right midfielder, possibly someone who could drop back as a right back if necessary to cut or right wing back to cover James if he was injured. But that's that's for me. I, I like the thought of. You can change a formation and have the players that are going to fit straight into that formation rather than, like you say, playing Craig Clay, playing Hector as a right wing back, which is totally not their game sort of thing. So that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. They're, they're the two players I'd like to say and, and then possibly another creative midfielder, although I think the, the team should be built around Kemp. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the three I'd say. I'd, I'd go along the lines of both of you guys. I think both the full-back positions... Um, or wing-back positions, I think, right side and left side, I would like to see cover in there. Exactly what you said, if we did change it, then it would be a right winger or a right back because James can play a bit higher up. He's got that quality. I, Me personally, rather than a creative midfielder, I, I'm looking at it and thinking now, Prattley's older. We, we spoke about his bookings. Um, what happens if he comes back, gets suspended, and either Hector or Craig Clay gets injured? We're, we're struggling there for that, that defensive mm. midfielder. So, me personally, I'd like another defensive midfielder in there. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Riley because we've, we've not really seen him because of injuries. So, I, I think them, them three spaces, I think we've got more than enough when players are fit in forward areas and... and in that num- number 10 role, we've got players who can cover Kemp when if he has a dipping form or an injury. So I think that they would be the three areas pretty similar to what you've just said, Lee, and, and you, Steve. So, Right, well, thanks very much, uh, Glenn. We'll uh, come back to you two here. And just to add time to say thank you to Steve for uh, stepping in and uh, uh, go back and enjoy the rest of your evening, Steve. And thanks for uh, stepping in tonight and uh, rescuing us all. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure as ever. Take care. Bye now. Right, well, that was uh, Steve Tongue, and uh, you, you, you rattled off some stats earlier, and you were saying about the, we were talking about, before we went on air about concentration, etc., with uh, players and how it's let us down, really, in, in certain key times of the, of the matches. And uh, what stat was it you came up with? Were you, well, were, the, the points we've lost in the league games in the last 10 minutes of games, so we've conceded goals in the last 10 minutes of games, and it's, and it's cost us six points so far so with, with those six points we would we'd be sitting on 30 points and we'd be sitting in second place in the league Goodness. so like like i said earlier is it a concentration thing if it is is that because of tiredness and the squad's not fit enough i don't believe they're not fit enough i think they are i just think there's times in games where where players are switched off that's when you need your experienced players your leaders on the pitch to really, especially when you're defending corners in the last few minutes, you you need to be screaming, screaming at everyone to like sort of mark your man. Do not let them get a run on you. Do not sort of let them get the jump on you and, and win that ball. You know, and and that's where that's where the leadership comes in. Now, to me, you see, I, I didn't play professionally, and you play professionally. You, you you coach as well. But to me, as a coach, that's got to be a the, the worst scenario. Is you know, if it's something technical. It's surely easier to, to address the problem, but if it's a mental problem where people are switching off, I mean, you're saying it's fitness, but 
how, and how di- yeah, I mean, how difficult is that as a coach? And um, I mean, bring Lee in as well. But uh, how difficult is that to, to to put that right? Because you know, as I say, if if, if you're making technical errors, that that's your job as a coach. You can say, look, you've got to do this X, Y, Z. But people are just nothing wrong with actual their passing ability, you know, market. But they just switch off. How, how do you get around that? It is concentration. It is concentration. Look, the the. the the fitness guys and the sports science and everything, they've all got monitors are in on on their on their bodies in training in games. They can see how far players are running, what their fitness levels are, have they have they taken a drop. So that would be covered there. I would say before sports science, if a team conceded goals in the last five, ten minutes of game regularly, it would normally come down to fitness. They're mentally tired. You know, they're either physically tired and they're mentally tired and they're switching off. That's not the case, and I don't think it is the case with this this squad. It comes down to having the will and the desire not to let your opposite number get to the ball ahead of you. Certainly on corners. We're talking about corners here. I'm a centre-half, you're the centre-forward. Unless the delivery is so precise and I can't get to that ball, if I can't get to the ball, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to not let you have a, a really nice, comfortable header and get it on target. I'm going to try and get my body against you, not foul you, but I'm going to try and impact your jump. I'm going to try and do whatever if I can't get to that ball. But you need in times like that when there's five, ten minutes of games left and you're up against it, you need the leaders on the pitch. You need the people with more energy, your captain, your vice captain. You need all those sort of players to keep reminding the younger players and reminding everyone. And sometimes, even if you're feeling tired mentally and you're the captain, you you also do it because it wakes yourself up as well, you know? And it's like, keep concentrating. Do not let that person get to the ball before you. And it and it becomes it becomes a habit. And that, and it's a good, great habit to have is, could you, could you imagine, they, they might work on this, they might work on this. They may, they may have highlighted this. I'm sure they would have highlighted this and, and the points have conceded in the last 10 minutes. And they, they will be working on that. It'd be great if we don't concede another goal in the last 10 minutes for the rest mm. of the season. It'd be fantastic. But it, I, I think it personally comes down to, to the leadership on the pitch and reminding the, the younger players or the players who are mentally tired to, to keep going and do their job. I mean, Lee made a point when we were talking before we went on air. And he said under Russell Slade, you know, we, we 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 attacked and we really you know went for sides. Whereas at the moment we've got a tendency to to, to retreat and sit back and try and hold on to a lead. And and the bottom line here is a league two standard. The players aren't good enough to keep doing that, are they? I disagree. Go on, go on. They're professional footballers. They might not be. They're professional footballers. They're paid. They're they're at a level that they can they can progress and go on. But as a mental a mental, you're doing your job. If you're doing your job, I'm doing my job, or Glenn's doing his job, whatever. You're, you're, you're paid to be professional and to do that job to your best ability. So to turn around and say, oh, he's, he's not good enough to have the mental strength to play for 90 minutes, in my opinion, is rubbish. Because they are professional footballers. All right, they might be League 1, League 2 level. They might not go no higher. But if you've got a mental winning attitude... And these are, still, these are professional footballers. It's not Sunday morning where you turn up and you have like one good game, one bad game. They're paid to perform every week. And mentally, 
is, is, the, is the, probably the part that they're, they're paid for more at because they are trained to be professional footballers. They are paid, they train every day. So, yeah, they might be a bit fatigued or something like that, but mentally they should be strong enough. Every, they should be focused enough for 90 minutes. On, on the flip side of that, when mm-hmm. we're talking about Russell Slade and the team best form of defence is attack sort of thing yeah. in the last 10 minutes and then they went on the attack and scored goals. If you're playing against the team, if I'm if I'm losing a game of football and there's five minutes to go, what do a lot of teams do? They might stick a centre half up front and start lumping it long. They'll put an extra body forward. So they're throwing more bodies forward in that last five, ten minutes, and they'll change their tactics up to what you've worked on in training trying to defend that. So then it comes down to if they are doing that, then the spaces are opening up further up the pitch so when we do get the ball if we've got a bit of quality we can, we can go and attack and expose them and, and get that extra goal so it, it we say mentally physically tired mentally tired yes they are professional footballers and they're at the level they're at but the other teams are exactly the same we're, we're not playing against premiership forwards here so they're all on the same level I, I just think it comes down to concentration it really does right and just to, to uh, confirm on this, how do you get around the concentration? How do you get around it? Take them up Epping Forest. Run oh, them, run not them, the old days. Run Peter, them Peter to Eustace. Death, make them sick and say, if you keep conceding goals, this is what you're doing every day. Uh, what was it? Five mile runs up Epping Forest. Wasn't it? Yeah, no. And it's, yeah, just, you, you've got to instill this. You've got to instill. There's got to be a culture at within the squad and you, and you get a good culture in there and and sort of everyone's got to be held to account it's about accountability like that's your man you stay with him that's your man you stay with him and then like they, they may do that I really don't know And, and it's then, individual battles isn't it across 100%. the pitch you know so, you've got uh, your man and you say right you don't let him get the better of you that, mm. that's, that's all you've got to do when you're defending yeah I agree I totally agree that is it. It is. You, like Ben said, all right, they might stick more players up front, like, for the last five minutes. I'm like, well, we'll hold, we'll hold a couple of players back up the front. Maybe you've got two forwards, split them out wide. So now you've got, they've got two defenders have got to go with them. And then once you've, you've held three of their defenders back straight away, rather than just standing the two players around the centre circle, put them out wide, put the two forwards out wide. You've, put, you've pulled three of their defenders straight back. It's about, it's about... What Glenn said, game management. It's about managing silly little, uh, little, little, little incidents that, that can change that whole game. And concentration, like I say, if, you, if you've got a corner coming in or a free kick around the box, your sole aim, like Glenn said, is at defending that is to get something on that ball to stop that player. That's, that, that's all you've got to think about. You haven't got to think about nothing else. You haven't got to think about if I can get this ball out to him, we're going to break away. It's a sole thing of making sure that player doesn't get a free header on goal. That's concentration. But the other thing is it's football. He's in good form tonight, it's, isn't he? It's football, isn't it? And we <laughs> love the game and things happen. We, we could yeah. mark all their, their big honey monsters on the pitch and we yep. and the ball goes out to the smallest man on the pitch and he buries it, you know? Yeah. yeah there's listen. stuff that happens. There's quality in a game that you can't defend against. No. Yeah, if we, it was a predictable but, game, we'd all win the pools every No, but when you're talking about concentration, you're talking about individual yeah. concentration. Mm. Yeah. And individual concentration is that person doing that precise job at that moment. Yeah, it might, it might fall to another player. 
somebody else might not be concentrating, but individuals, to keep their concentration is like part of the game management, to keep their concentration, win their own personal battles. Yeah, how satisfied are you with the season so far, Lee, really? I mean, Glenn's pulled that one out of the hat, that stat that, you know, I mean, we, we probably would have conceded some goals, but if we hadn't conceded those goals in those key times, we would be sitting in second place in the league, which is, you know, you're sitting there thinking, wow, that is, that's a huge, huge psychological difference, isn't it? I mean, where, where we could be and where we are over over that. So how, how satisfied are you with progress? I'm... Very happy with the progress. I think, like, I mean, the fact the amount of clean sheets we've kept uh, shows that defensively we are doing something right. Uh, and and as Glenn said earlier, we break at such pace. Uh, it is is exciting for a fan to watch. A fan to watch teams break like that it is exciting, and to score goals on the back of it. That's what you want. Saying that, it's probably not all clicking as it should do for a promotion winning side. But that's something that plenty of time to work on. Yeah, I mean, it's how you finish, not how you start anyway. So, I mean, we, as Glenn was saying, we, you know, we can sign three players. We could sign three players. Uh, no, saying we will, but we, we could sign three players in January. And it probably is, you know, sometimes it's just one or two little twists of things and that can change the whole dynamic and, and give you that extra 4 or 5% which sees you over the line. 100%, yeah. I, I, me personally, I, I think it's progress on last season. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the summer when we only had a handful of players signed and we had to go out and get a new squad and did we overachieve in them first six games and we were sort of playing out of our skin. We was, we was quite high up in the league. Did we expect it to be be that good so early on? And obviously we had a dip off and we've, we've drawn a lot of games We've only lost two games in league football. Um, we've got the second best goal difference in the league mm. behind the leaders, Forest Green. Mm-hmm. So I know we, we've spoken a lot about conceding in the last 10 minutes, yeah. but we do score goals and, and we've kept an awful lot of clean sheets. Um, I think as a fan, you always want more and you always highlight yeah. the, the mistakes and stuff. But We're hard to been, beat, Glenn, but I think we, are. They, we need to be a little bit harder to beat. Oh, that's no, 100%. Thing. Yeah, you know, 100%. Uh, but we're scoring goals... Now, because we went through a little spell mm-hmm. when we wasn't and we was drawing nil-nil and stuff. Um, we're scoring goals. The players are coming back into form. We wasn't in form. Um, I, I think it's really, really positive. Um, forget the league position at the moment. You look at the points that separate us and the five, six, seven teams above mm. us. We're, we're a win, two wins off being very, very high in, in the table, you know, and, and we know how quickly this division changes. As for free signings, if we do, if we are sort of in that top six come Christmas, I think the what, what are they call the transfer committee, um, <laughs> they've, they've got their they've got their uh, targets already lined up from what we hear, and I wonder if they've got if we are in the top six, do we really twist and go for it and get some real quality and go to the investors and say, can we have a bit more money for more wages, please? And really go for it and try and get automatically. Or if we're just outside that that playoff place, do we say, right, this is the budget we've got. This yeah. is a quality that we can get in for that budget. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trouble is, Glenn, you, you, you break a wage structure, as we found out under a certain Italian gentleman, you can just lose the dressing room completely. If a player comes in on, a, you know, even at this level, on a £1,000 more a week than... 
than you, say, and you're sitting there looking, and he's had a stinker. You're sitting there you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, he's getting a grand a week more than me, and he's just had a, an absolute nightmare. And, and, you know, and this happened before under the Italian, and, and you know, players, well, if he's getting four grand a week, I want four grand a week. And, and the whole thing, you know, you've got to keep it tight. I know what you're saying. No, uh, no, no. You know, but, but, but you it's got, football. You, if that player yeah. has a stinker yeah. for four... But he's balancing that, five mate. games, and then the yeah. fifth game he scores an hat-trick and he gets us promoted. I don't care. Yeah, I I'm know what you're saying. I'm sharing the bath with him drinking uh, champagne yeah. with him. I don't, I don't care if he's on more money. <laughs> now, talking of, on a positive note, last night the, uh, the, youth, the youth team had a, 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 a fantastic result against Newport County. Yeah, great great 6-1 win. Um, I didn't see the game last night. I, would, I was coaching myself last night, so uh, yeah, I looked at a result. Um, had a look from, from what People were saying, supporters were saying, who were, were at the game, said it was very, very impressive. Some real standout performers in the, in the team, in the squad. And uh, it looks very bright for the for the first team squad. Yeah, I mean, I think our, our, our team of uh, presenters were, were very impressed. And uh, Charlie Pegram, I think uh, the name kept cropping up all night, didn't it? And uh, uh, a good performance from him, Lee. It was, I think it was a good performance for all round, really. I mean, when we spoke to Brian Sarr last week, he... Uh, he come across as like very confident that this team has got something special about them that they can build. Uh, yeah, like like I said, Charlie Pegram played well. There was a, there was a few others. Uh, the lad up front, whose name I've totally forgotten, <laughs> shouldn't have, shouldn't forget. But uh, he scored, I think, hat trick. Like and uh, it's, like I said, I mean, like, you look at you look at how they played last night and and the reward for them for that win last night for them is going to be massive. Like Chelsea, Chelsea, away. yeah. I mean, and a little little known fact to some of the fans, I suppose, is the gentleman sitting to my right and to to your left, uh, Glenn, did actually uh, play for the youth team uh, back in the nineties at uh, Chelsea, didn't you? Yeah, we uh, we had a we had a good draw away, not a draw as in the result. We in the, in the hat, we drew Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. Um, I know, I went to that. Side. You went to that. I and, sat with uh, John Sitton, actually, in the stand, watching yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, and myself, Darren Purse, a few others in the squad at the time. And, uh, yeah, we we sort of upset them and, and come away with a 2-0 victory against it, Chelsea, full of a few young stars and uh, big big names in, the, in the, their youth team. Yeah, I mean, is it, you know, because these lads are going to be in a similar position. And yeah. is it a chance for you to shine? I mean, how did, you know, psychologically, when you're going to that, uh, when you were a youngster in the youth team, you suddenly got Chelsea, and obviously then you had Villa. Uh, you know, is it like right? It's my chance to show these, you know, these top guys how good I am. Yeah, it was a rather than thinking of it as an individual. I was a captain at a side, so I'm I'm thinking of the team and everything else. We're going back to this defending. I was playing centre half that night. We knew how good we were defensively because we concentrated for the ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. Um, we knew we were very tight defensively. Our yep. problem was we didn't score many goals. So I think we scored from a set piece, went one new up, then we defended for our lives. Chelsea then had to come and attack us, and I think it opened up and we hit them on the break, like we were saying just now. And we ended up getting a 2 0 win. And and that was the way we set about it. But it was it was more a case of we're the underdogs, we're going into this. This is Chelsea Academy, they've got all these stars or these bright kids for the future. Yeah, let's go and upset them. We've got nothing to worry about. We shouldn't be scared. Let's go go and do what we've been training all season to do. And that's that's totally how 
our academy should be viewing their game against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, you know, on last night's showing, Lee, I know that there's a jumping standard, obviously, from Newport to Chelsea, with all due respect to Newport, but uh, they've got nothing to really fear, have they? Well, I think they've feared, got to go out and enjoy it. It's like any sort of uh, FA Cup game when the, when, when the smaller team gets a big team away. Go out and enjoy the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we all know Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's youth setup is, is phenomenal, but you've got nothing to be scared of. Go, like I said, go out and join them. They're, they're obviously good players. They, they've got a good uh, rapport in the team. They look they look uh, solid. Go out and cause the upset because the upset's there to be to be taken. I mean, uh, we turn around and say about players stepping up and all that. I mean, changing it slightly. But when Ornchurch come and played at Orient a couple of years ago, and, and I know. I knew a lot of the Ornchurch set up then and I know how big that game was to them and we signed Shadrach Ogie on the back of it like not when I mean I know Shadrach was already known but he, he was probably the standout player on, on the day even though I think we won 5-6 nil he was one of the standout players so that's the potential that all these lads have got to turn up on that day and have that, that outstanding game where this could be a bit of a door open another door for them but yeah like I said I mean look they're going to go there as underdogs. They're going as massive underdogs. Enjoy the game, and if they play to their best. Who knows? Yeah, and, well, and well thing, done. The other thing is, if they're playing at Stamford Bridge, how many of them players have played on a Premiership pitch in the stadium? Mm. You know, it gives you a massive, experience. Lift, massive yeah. boost, a massive lift, perfect pitch. Why not go out? You only yeah. enjoy it if you win. Yeah, well, well, you won, but you got a reward. You went to Aston Villa for yeah, for and we evening. got beat one 0 Yeah, it was night, a tight yeah. match though. Yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a really tight match. But I mean, regardless, you got another reward. You went to another big club. You had another big night out for you as, as youngsters, as 16, 17 year old. You had a, a great, a great little cup run there. Anyway, let's just move on to the next thing on the list, and it's mascots. As the club are saying, they've got some mascot places available um, for £200, including VAT. And uh, it caused a bit of a discussion on our on our um, WhatsApp group with the presenters, because I, I've got to turn around and say, like, we're, we're happy to... As a, as, as a programme to, to sponsor a place um, which we'll sort out with par and um, with either a, a children's home or with a hospice or something like that to give a, a kid a, a day out. We're happy to cover that and we'll, we'll sort out with Orient a, a match to do uh, in the new year. Um, but, you know, these when, when I was young, I'm old, but when I was young, it was free. And I was Trevor Singfield, one of our presenters, you know, he said the same thing. You know, you created a desire. There was a waiting list for a long, long time, even at Orient, there was about an eighteen-month waiting list to be a to be a, a mascot. And you used to write in in those days on waiting. The anticipation was built up and built up and built up. And, you know, your big day of and, and it got an interest into the club, and and that's obviously where the community needs to to to, to get out to the schools, you know, and build an interest and get Steve Jenkins maybe involved with the history of the club in the First World War through the history and and. People get a chance to come and see professional football at the Orient, but build that desire. But I, I, I can't help but see, you know, if we could really be the first you know, major club for years to offer a free places uh, to be mascots, create that waiting list. Because to me, I know Lee disagrees, and we'll bring Lee in in a minute, but um, to me, what you're actually looking at is 5K a season, which, you know, less fat, less tax, less the cost of the kit at net cost. Now, I'm not being funny, it's chicken feed it, it, that you're arguing about here. You could put a pound on a season card and cover that, you know. But it, it, the, the, the kudos of being the, the London club that says, no, cheer you up, I know you're 800 quid at Tottenham, I know it's all West Ham or whatever, and uh, you, know, you know what? It's free. 
it, it will be a waiting list. You may have to wait a couple of years, but you'll get your chance, you know, and you'll, you'll have a day out. And their families will come. They'll buy tickets anyway to come and see little Johnny or little Amy or whatever, come out and be a mascot. And, you know, it's, it's just something, to me, it's, it's a chance for the club to do something that's not really going to cost them anything. Not really. They're going to get adults come to watch their kid anyway, you know, when it's their chance to be out there. And... You know what? I just think we're missing the boat. So we're happy to cover the cost of of, uh, of one of the, the matches next uh, in the new year um, uh, to go to. As I say, either a children's home or to the hospice. We'll sort it out with Pa and, and Danny and that. But um, we'll cover that. But Lee, you disagree with me. You think it's a business thing and, and um, Orient quite right to charge for it? Yeah, just picking up something you just said there about uh, if it's free, their parents are going to come and and and, and, uh, and buy tickets. How many free tickets do they get for this two hundred pound? Because they get the kit. Uh, I'm sure. I know. Like when my mob was uh, about a oh, good few years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I think we got something like four or five free tickets. Now I'm sure we ain't giving away five free tickets. <laughs> but, I mean, but if they give two, I don't know whether well, it's two or four. But so, so if they're giving away two tickets, yeah. that's what another forty pound. So the kit in there is so they're not really paying that. They're getting a lot back for that two hundred pound. Yeah, what I'm saying is, Lee, yeah. is that it's, it's not worth the it's not worth the no. charging. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I know, I know what you're saying. I just, it, yeah, it's I just goodwill, and just say, look, but you know. Um, I think the thing is, Andy, it's like we all know now, and, and and I've had this argument a lot recently, and other people have as well. The club is being moved away from a family club. It's 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 a business. There's, there's they're looking. To, Macklin, Danny Macklin's always looking for opportunities to, to, to make money, sponsorship, etc. And and whether you agree with the man or not, he does it well. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Can I, can yeah, I just step in well. there? Yeah. I think Danny Macklin is looking for an opportunity to condense the, the deficit in what we lose every year rather than yeah. make money. Uh, I think yeah. it's... Yeah, a, uh, we understand yeah, that. Same sort of thing. Yeah, I understand that. And he's, I, I don't mean, think you can beat around the bush with no. Danny Macklin has done a fantastic job in yeah. doing that. It's one of those, Lee, 95 98% even of what they yeah. do is good. It's that 1% or 2% you think, oh, come on, just... just on certain yeah. little things, you think, come on, let it go. Yeah, but and, I don't... You know... I don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't see it. I've, I think that's, there's an opportunity there... I anyway, just, I just yeah, I don't. <laughs> for me, for me, I think, I think it's money. If you want to be a mascot, it's money well spent. Oh, there you go. Anyway, it is what it is. We'll be in touch with the club to sponsor us place anyway. Thanks, Lee, for coming in at the last minute, mate. I do appreciate it. And you too, Glenn, and, and to Steve Tung as well, and to all of you for listening. I hope uh, we've been a little bit entertaining at least and uh, thrown a cat amongst the pigeons, I expect, at times. But uh, And hopefully normal service will be resumed next week. But in the meantime, we'll leave you with uh, Barry Galvin and our theme tune, and we'll see you all very soon. Good night, everyone. But in my preview... Oh, that's the wrong one, wasn't it? That wasn't Barry Galvin. That was a different track altogether. Sorry about that. We're not a city, we're not a town We're the only one of us around And you know where we can be found When Saturday comes again We'll be trying to do our best To cheer all those on who wear the rest Whatever challenge, whatever test We'll lay an Orion from E10 Lay an Orion from E10 This is our club and we are proud 